following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Today we're going to go into a chapter that is most familiar with us. Chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews, the faith chapter. But it has been more misunderstood than almost any other chapter in Scripture. You see, a belief came about that faith has a power of its own. This is the modern secular view of faith. But in Scripture, faith has no power of its own. It is simply the lifeless hands called faith that reach out for the living God and trust the word of the living God. Now, the lie of the modern church is that God used faith to create the worlds. And because he used faith to create the worlds, we can create our reality through positive affirmations. We can create what we desire to have by putting a picture of our new Cadillac up on the refrigerator and saying every day, that car belongs to me. I command it to come to me. This kind of foolishness is just witchcraft. It has nothing to do with Scripture, and it certainly has nothing to do with biblical faith. Now, the intro to the book, chapter 11 of Hebrews begins in the 10th chapter where he begins to conclude what it means to walk holy before God and the price that it will cost you to walk before God. Perhaps the confiscation or the plunder of your possessions, perhaps even losing your life. And his word of encouragement is to endure Well, how do you endure? Hmm. You endure by enduring. There's no other way to endure. It is not easy. It is often painful to endure. The secret for the Christian life is to find joy in the endurance, coming into the rest of Jesus and absolutely trusting him. Now, this definition is going to be extended as we move into the 11th chapter of Hebrews. Let me read for you Hebrews, the 10th chapter. I'll begin with verse 35, and this is the New International Version. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done all, when you have done all of the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one, or in ancient manuscripts, But the righteous will live by pistis, or faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Well, what is it that we are to believe 
the word of God, the rhema of God. We are to believe the word of God and we are to be saved. Saved from what? All of the book of Hebrews up to this point has been talking about this wonderful high priest by the name of Jesus who came and offered his life as an atoning sacrifice. He himself was the atonement. He was the bridge from the destruction of this world into the presence of God. John Bunyan, in the book Pilgrim's Progress, from which this broadcast derives its title, spoke of it as the straight and narrow way. And the question was asked by Christian, how do I know the difference between the straight and narrow way and the way that will take me into perdition? And the answer was very clear. It will always be straight and it will always be narrow as compared to the broad road that leads to destruction. Now, as we begin to look at these last verses in verse 38 particularly, it says, and if he, that is you as a Christian, if you shrink back from enduring, if you shrink back and once more join and are part of the worldsome, says the Lord will not be pleased with him. Then verse 39 tells us that those who shrink back, speaking about Christians, those who shrink back, who join together with the world. I don't want to address the question today, but as the Methodist bishops have voted to ordain a homosexual bishop in the Western Conference of the United States, it's caused a great commotion in the Methodist Church. And for those watching with interest, it's obvious that their desire is to be like the culture because they believe that if they are relevant to the culture, more people will join their social organization because there is no remnant of holiness left in these people's hearts. They have said we will be inclusive and we will not allow ourselves to be marginalized. The very name Christian means to be marginalized. You see, the task of the church today is not to be made relevant to the world, but rather to make the world relevant to the gospel. It's not the gospel of Jesus that must change. It's the world that must change. But these poor, deceived, rebellious servants of God have ordained a homosexual bishop in direct rejection of the word of God. They have joined with the world to be loved by the world. Breaks my heart. My background is Methodist. My grandma and grandpa were both Methodist. How far? Wesley's church has fallen from grace. It is in such sad repair today that the patient may not live. It is on life support. The decision has not yet been rendered by God. But certainly a schism is coming between the holy men and women who are Methodist and the unholy men and women who try to make it relevant to the world. The name Methodists simply mean a method of salvation, and the method was to turn away from all sin. 
The method was to share with one another and hold one another accountable in the groups, the class meetings that Wesley established for growth and maturity in the life of a person who had committed themselves utterly to Jesus Christ. I can only say that if you are a Methodist today, you need to very prayerfully consider what God would have you do in relationship to your church membership. I suspect another great schism like that between the Anglicans and the Episcopals will soon be happening. I hate schisms. I hate the division in the body of Christ. But we do not heal those schisms by agreeing to dilute the gospel of Jesus Christ. Rather, a standard must be lifted up from Scripture of righteousness and of holiness. We see today America is crashing. Many would say America has already crashed. There must be a revival. Matthew 24 tells us that there will be one last great proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This will not be a toned down gospel. This will not be a compromised gospel. This will be a very straight, clean gospel saying to men and women, this is sin. Stop it or judgment from Jesus will fall upon you. We are at the end of time. It is time to turn from all sin and all wickedness and not to accommodate or compromise for it. Yes, with great compassion and love, but with great honesty, with complete sincerity to turn from that which is compromised and dark and let the church of Jesus Christ be cleansed and purified and washed. For we have been dressed in filthy, dirty garments. And the purpose of Jesus is now to save his church, to prepare a bride without blemish, clean and white, dressed in the garments of heaven. Now, as we come into this 11th chapter, I must confess, I have read the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation many more times than 50. Many more times. But most of those years, as I read the 11th chapter, I did not spend much time on verse 1 because, can I be honest? It just never made much sense to me. I couldn't understand the basic definition of faith. And I've sat in classes, I've in the seminary and then in churches, and I've listened to erudite men and women address the question of what is faith. One scholarly man said, faith is an act based on belief, sustained by confidence in God's word. That's a pretty good definition of faith. He said faith was a verb. You are faithing. Well, I've heard many other definitions, but frankly, I've struggled to understand the definition of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 1. Let me read it for you. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Seems rather simple, but what's it mean? And of course, This definition in the NIV fits right in with those who say that faith is an affirmation of what I want. And that I can, by repeating that and being absolutely convinced that it will come to me and 
No, that's witchcraft. So let's look at the true definition. And let's look at it by going back and asking the question, what are the Greek words that are being used? And what is the meaning of those Greek words? Now, faith we know is pistis. And we know it means absolute confidence in. Now, we know that there is a bit of a a difference in the definition of the word faith in the Hebrew and the word faith in the Greek. The just shall live by faith, Habakkuk. Well, the word faith in the Hebrew means literally fidelity to, loyalty to. Complete, 100% giving myself to. So in Habakkuk, he's saying, those who are declared righteous, because under the old covenant, a man was not made righteous. He was declared righteous because the blood of bulls and goats could not forgive sin. Only the blood of Jesus could forgive sin, and the sin of the Old Testament was not forgiven in the heavenly realm until Jesus died on the cross. Because the blood of bulls and goats in the 10th chapter of Hebrews says they cannot forgive sin. They can only cover it over. So very clearly he's saying those who are declared righteous will live by absolute loyalty and fidelity to God. But we come now to this New Testament definition of faith. Now, now faith being absolutely convinced is being sure, is being sure of what we hoped for. Well, let's break down What is the word being translated for being sure? Well, the word actually means to stay under, to remain under. The word actually means that I am going to stay under something And I'm going to have, it says with an abstract meaning, assurance. In other words, I'm, I'm staying under because I have complete trust. I have absolute assurance as I stay under. Well, the question then comes immediately to my mind. What do I stay under? There's a part missing. That's why it's never made sense to me. But if you'll turn with me to Romans, the 10th chapter, the answer is very clearly given to us. The 10th chapter, verse 17 Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. In other words, faith comes by hearing the preaching. And that preaching is heard by the rhema of Christ. Well, what is rhema? Rhema is the active, living testimony of God regarding a situation. It is God speaking to us. So faith comes from a word of God, from a word from Jesus. It is a living word. It is a rhema word. It is a a God-breathed word. So let's come back to our definition. 
Now, faith is staying under. Faith is staying under. Under what? Faith is staying under the rhema word of God. God speaks. We believe him. We put our complete confidence in him. And we now remain under that rhema word. And our hope, because we don't see it yet, we hope for and we are certain of what we do not see. So faith is literally then, in this passage, dealing with our staying under what brings faith. Now, we're going to find this all the way through this chapter. By faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. All of them received a rhema word from God. And because they received that rhema word from God, they received the promises of God. God quickened that promise to them. God breathed that promise into their soul. Second Peter tells us that we participate in the divine nature through the promises of God. Through the rhema word of God as he quickens that promise to our hearts. Now, let me read for you from another translation. I'm reading for you from that great scholar, Malcolm Lavender, in the New Testament that he has just finished translating. If you want more information about Lavender's New Testament translation, you can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and there you'll find instructions on how to order one. They are not easily found yet. Now, faith is assurance of things being expected an inner conviction of things not being seen. Now, all of that is based on what produces faith. You see, this is not the faith of the secular culture. This is not the faith of the positive affirmation people. This is not the name it and claim it people. This is faith that comes from a rhema word of God. And we then choose to stay under that word of God. We stay under it. Now, I want to tell you, God has made me some very specific promises in the last month, two months. He's given me a time frame when these promises will be fulfilled. Sometimes he'll do that and sometimes he won't. He's promised me that in the last days of summer, he will fulfill the promise he's made to me. Now, I'm going to stay under his commands One of them was, be still and know that I am God. In fact, I was given a coffee cup for Father's Day that says, be still and know that I am God. That came several days after this word came to me from God. It's Psalm 46, verse 10. Well, what's it mean, be still? It means... Stop talking, stop reaching, stop grabbing, stand still, let me do it. And that fits right with Mark eleven twenty two through 24, where he says, command the mountain to be removed into the depths of the sea, and if you believe, it will be done for you. 
We're talking here about biblical faith where we come under the rhema word of God. And under that rhema word of God, we have the assurance that God will do what he said he would do. And we wait upon him to accomplish that. And we don't go try to make it happen ourselves. Faith is staying under the rhema word of God. Expecting and knowing that he will do what he has said he will do. It is a deep inner conviction of things you cannot see. Now, the old timers referred to this as praying through. In other words, the rhema word of God comes. And as we pray about that word of God, it begins to ignite faith in our hearts. Faith is absolute conviction that what he has said he will do. And so as we wait upon him, as we trust him, as we endure with him, going day by day and nothing changes. Looks like everything's the same. Nothing will happen. I remember when the Lord came to me now, Well, back in 1987, and he told me that he would bring the wife I'd been praying for for a year. In June of 1988, six months later, I went to a high school reunion. I had not been back for 25 years. And as I was talking with former classmates, I looked up and saw a beautiful woman. And the Lord quickened in my heart and said, go meet her. She is your wife. And a classmate standing beside me said, do you remember her, Ray? And I said, yes, that's Janice Yoder. And she said she would be a perfect wife for you. It was confirmation of what God was speaking in a rhema word in my heart. He was saying, go meet her. She's your new wife. Well, how do you walk up to someone that you haven't spoken to in 25 years, 26 years? She was a year ahead of me. And I watched as the Holy Spirit bound our hearts together. And six months later, we were wed and then had 21 wonderful years together before the Lord took her home, dying of cancer. I trusted the Lord, and he did exactly what he said he would do. Now, look with me. Chapter 11. For by this, men of old were confirmed. That's Hebrews, the second, the, the 11th chapter, the second verse. Now, let me read it for you in the NIV. This is what the ancients were commended for. The word commended in the Greek is very interesting. It's not that I was given credit for something. That's not the meaning of this Greek word. Rather, this Greek word means to witness, to testify. For by this, the men of old testified. What did they testify to? That's going to be the rest of the 11th chapter of Hebrews. They testified that God was faithful and did exactly what he said he would do. Now, part of the problem with the translation process is that often the translators 
take the common understanding of the day and not of the day of Scripture. And they make it mean something that hides or shields the true meaning of the word. So let me walk through the first two verses and see if this doesn't make perfect sense to you. A rhema word of God is spoken. Faith rises up as I remain under that word. As I remain under that word, I expect, I have complete confidence in the fact that God's word is true. He has spoken it and he will bring it to pass. There is a deep inner conviction about things that I can't see yet. This is how I begin to enter into the spirit realm in Jesus by faith. By a rhema word of God. And then verse 2. For by this. The old men. I guess I'm one of those old men. I just had a birthday. 71 years old. I just had a birthday. I now maybe I qualify as an old man. I don't know. I don't feel old. But I have a very powerful testimony that God does what he says he'll do. That God is faithful to his rhema word. That his promises can be trusted. For by this the men of old, the old men in other words, testified or bore witness that the word of God was true. Now we come to verse 3. And this is a most difficult passage to translate. It's most difficult because the translators and the Bible commentaries, by and large, come to the first major word and say, the writer of the book of Hebrews could not possibly have meant that. And so they translate it, in opposition to the actual meaning of the Greek word. If I were to ask you, what does aeons mean? Those of you with any knowledge of the Latin or any knowledge of the roots and the root meanings of words would immediately know that aeons has historically always meant ages, periods of time. Ages. But the translators, for example, the NIV translate this. By faith, we understand that the universe, it's not universe, it's not speaking about the creation, it's talking about the, the ages, the aeons. The aeons were formed at God's command. Well, that word formed is not translated correctly. It literally means they were adjusted. They were adjusted. So you can see already at God's command. The word command is rhema, the breathed word of God. Now, what a difference it makes if we read this in accordance with the actual Greek words rather than with the mistranslation of our modern translators. Listen as I read this from the Lavender translation. And if you want to check the translation, go to a Strong's. Look it up on the Internet. You'll discover that the NIV, the King James Version, and Bible commentaries have not listened to the meaning because they didn't think it made any sense, because they didn't understand the meaning of faith that I just shared with you. Listen to this. We understand the 
aeons, the ages, to have been put right or adjusted by faith in a rhema from God so that the things being seen have not happened out of things being visible. Well, what's it saying? He's saying something that is so powerful and so exciting. And if you don't understand this verse, you will misunderstand all of the rest of the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. He's saying, we understand the ages, not the creation. We understand the ages to have been adjusted or put right by faith. What brings faith? Only a rhema word of God. So through the ages, men and women have received a rhema word from God so that the things being seen have not happened out of what was visible. In other words, godly men and women have all through the ages received a rhema word from God and they have stood on the promise of that word for their culture and for their people. And God has moved to change the wickedness and has brought revival and has brought righteousness. Now, all of the rest of the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, will be the stories of men who received a rhema word from God and stood by faith on that promise to them and turned the course of history. I don't know if you recognize how utterly profound what I just said is. If we begin today with men and women in the 21st century who are willing to get with God and are willing to endure and are willing to get that rhema word and let faith arise in their hearts and then are willing to allow God to adjust the culture based on the rhema word that they have believed in for God to do in our day. Now, if you don't understand me or this broadcast, please let me share the very heart of it. The very heart of this broadcast comes out of seven years of no public ministry where God shut my wife and myself away, homeless, in the home of a pagan man and woman, where we spent our days reading the scripture, meditating, meditating, fasting, and praying, searching after God. Before that, I had been a successful go-go pastor, but my heart was so broken and so hungry for God He finally answered my cry and he separated me out to himself and he breathed into me a vision, a rhema word for revival in America. But I could not pursue that rhema word through flesh. I had to wait patiently now for over 10 years in the National Prayer Chapel, yea, 15 years in the National Prayer Chapel, hidden away. Anyone from a church growth background would look at us and say, nothing's going to ever happen here. The radio broadcast is not popular. The YouTubes are not popular. Nothing has gone viral. Pastor, you might as well quit. You're not going to do anything You're dead. No, I don't care what people say. Because I'm standing on a rhema word of God that he will turn America in revival back to himself. 
I have prayed for now these 15 years that God would bring judgment unto repentance in America. I have prayed and stood by faith on the rhema word of God in Matthew 24 that there will be one last great proclamation of the gospel across the world. But my responsibility is America, Washington, D.C., And so I stand on that rhema word that God will speak and he will break down these walls of wickedness and he will confront those who would destroy America. He will expose their lies. He will deal with their dishonesty. He will deal with their ungodliness and their lust for things of darkness. And he will raise up a remnant people in every city across this nation. He will dismiss pastors who are worldly. He will crash their buildings. They will go bankrupt. But he will find godly men and women who will stand in every city across this nation. Who will lift up the banner of Jesus Christ. Who will hear the rhema word of God and it will go forth with power across America and revival will break out and the nations will be utterly astonished. And they will send their TV cameramen and say, what is this that's happening in America? Is America going to be saved? I stand on the rhema word of God. I have endured year after year of financial deprivation, struggling to just pay for this little broadcast, standing by faith that we can go national on radio, on Christian broadcasting, standing by faith that we can set up an internet television program, standing by faith that God is going to break out with great power in this nation. I stand by faith. I'm not wavering. I am enduring. I'm staying under the word he spoke to me. Because I believe. This third verse of Hebrews 11. That through the ages God has adjusted by faith I understand that God himself is going to step in and his rhema word will make everything visible. Right now it's all invisible. There's no revival in America. There's utter ungodliness. Churches like the Methodist Church are abandoning the principles of faith. The Episcopal Church has utterly become derelict. Church of Christ, many Baptist churches, many Assemblies of God churches, churches that at one time taught a straight word from God, but today have utterly compromised it with their foolishness and their entertainment and their social concerns, who've totally lost the perspective of holiness that comes from Jesus Christ as a free gift. Churches across the nation, in fact, I'm the only one on this station, broadcasting on this station, that teaches that a man can leave his sin entirely, that the blood of Jesus has enough strength to break the bondage of sin and that a man can walk perfect before God. Not in maturity, but in no known rebellion in his heart. I'm the only pastor proclaiming this. Does it matter to me that I'm the only one? Oh, it saddens me, but it doesn't discourage me. Because I came at this from the rhema word of God 20-some years ago. And I've been faithful to that rhema word of God. Do you have a rhema word of God? And on that rhema word of God, has faith risen up in your heart? For some of you, he's made a promise about a business that he wants you to to run or to open. 
For some of you, he's made a rhema word of God about a marriage he wants you to have. For some of you, he's made a rhema word of God about the finances he wants you to have so that you can be a part of building the kingdom of Jesus Christ and helping many others. God's promises come in many different ways. What we have to make certain of is that our that our desires are all based on that rhema word of God, that promise of God, that it's not simply flesh, that it's not ambition on our part, that the heart of it is love and service to God's people, to call them out of the darkness into the light. So please let me read this. This verse again, we understand the aeons, the ages to have been adjusted or put right by faith in a rhema from God. So that the things being seen have not happened out of things being visible. In other words, what God is going to do with this broadcast is not visible in the physical realm. There's apparently no success. There is apparently very little financial support. Am I upset by that? No, I'm not. And the reason I'm not is because I am staying under I'm staying under the rhema word of God. And I know that his word is true. And I have complete confidence that he will do what he has said he will do. And I will not question that. I will not disbelieve in that. I am going to stand by faith to the day I die. Now the day may come when I die and I have not yet seen revival. Am I discouraged by that thought? Absolutely not. Because I know the rhema word of God and I stand by faith that it will be fulfilled. And if it's fulfilled after I'm gone, it will still be fulfilled. We read in the last part of chapter 10 of people who stood by faith and they never realized what they had stood for, but it still took place. It still happened. Abraham died and he did not have property except that which he bought in the promised land but after his people were 400 years in Egypt they came up out of that place and they took over the land that had been promised and they have now returned to that land that God promised them see I don't live by open doors or closed doors the more impossible things look, the more I rejoice in the rhema word of God because I know God's arm is not too short and he will do all that he has promised and abundantly more. Today I am rejoicing in the discovery that I have shared with you. The very thought that God desires to adjust the ages, this age, he desires to adjust and put it right by his rhema word that causes faith to rise in your heart and my heart. And that he's going to do that out of not some clever politician. He's not going to do that out of some go-go church. He's going to do that by the power of his mighty arm. And men and women will not take credit for it, for God will not share his glory. It is going to be done out of things that are not visible. I can't tell you today how I desire for God to make right America again, to adjust America again.
there is so much utter depravity in America. America seems to have gone insane while the Christians slept. How I pray God will come and speak his rhema word into your heart and cause faith to rise in your heart that you would stay under that rhema word of God by faith standing until he brings to pass the adjustment in our culture until he brings an adjustment and causes men and women who would perform abortions to be cast out and cast down. His judgment will fall on abortion doctors and abortion providers. They're murderers. But it's God who will bring that judgment. Almighty God, I stand under your rhema word by faith that you will do what you said you would do and that the mighty trumpet of God will be lifted up over America, that there will be a final great proclamation of the gospel of holiness and righteousness, the sufficiency of the blood of Jesus Christ to wash us and cleanse us as a gift of grace. Lord, thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, we're almost out of time for this broadcast today. Please, if if you're interested in learning more about this rhema word and you're interested in hearing it and you're interested in being a part of what God is doing, we're just a small company of people, but come worship with the National Prayer Chapel. Jesus will meet you there. Do you desire to hear God speak to you? If you want more of Jesus, come to the National Prayer Chapel. We meet at the All Saints Anglican Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. Let me give you the address. 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. As you come into the main parking lot of the All Saints Anglican Church, drive all the way around to the backside and you'll see a large white sign that says Lower Lobby. Come in the ground level, double glass doors, and you'll find the worship center immediately on your left. Now today, if the Holy Spirit is prompting you, I invite you to give to cover the costs of the broadcast for this month. Write to me that at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I'm Ray Greenlee, the pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I love you, my brother, my sister. I pray for you daily. I'll talk to you soon. Joy.